Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast. I'm journalist Jamie Wareham. And I'm Student Pride co-chair Hattie Smart. This month, we're joined by nail transphobia campaigner Charlie Craggs. I think people have this like misconception that the GP just literally hands out vaginas to any trans person who wants them. My vagina is like maybe like a decade away if I want one. We spoke about the EU debate. Oh, Brexit would be bad for trans rights, gay rights, lesbian rights, bi rights. We're, we're screwed. The tragedy in Orlando. I actually had a friend who I thought was involved in it. My friend is from Orlando. I knew that they used to go to that club, so, and I hadn't seen him update his Instagram for a while. And whether you need to pass to have an easy transition. I mean, on the train here, there was like a, a family like talking about me within earshot. So like, I definitely don't pass full time. Welcome to the National Student Pride podcast. Welcome to the very first National Student Pride podcast, which we've started to keep the pride of conversation that is our annual event, a discussion that carries on all year round. Every month we'll be inviting Student Pride speakers and supporters to come onto the show, get to know them better and get their views on the topics the LGBT plus community wants to talk about, and sometimes those that it doesn't too. This month we've got rising trans activist high on the rainbow list and founder of Nail Transphobia. Charlie Cracks in the studio. And she was also a Student Pride 2016 panellist. Welcome. Hey. This kind of first show of ours comes out in the week of the biggest decision the UK is probably going to have to make together for a very long time. Um, and for many young people, it may well be their kind of first chance to vote. I guess I want to know whether you're going to be at the polling station on Thursday, Charlie. Of course. Yeah. And anyone who's not, I'm going to cuss you out. Especially <laughs> as LGBT plus people, we have... It's not even uh, like a duty. We just need we need to be there because this decision affects us greatly as a community. Like it, it's gonna affect the well. Say we leave, the ramifications on marginalized communities is gonna be so so great. Like the fact that um, Boris Johnson could be our prime minister, mm-hmm. a man who has openly said things like um, tank top wearing bum boys. The fact that he um, said that gay marriage might lead to men marrying their dogs. Like do you know what I mean, like this man could be our prime minister. And if we're not voting, we're not using our voices and we're giving people like him a voice. We're giving yeah. him our voice. We're giving him our say. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I think it's it's our duty as LGBT plus people to get out there and vote because we can't let people like him silence us. Absolutely. So I think Joe's just about to say, it's, I think it's quite obvious from, from that, but I would guess voting to remain. Oh, no, I'm voting to leave. (laughs) I love Boris. I'm a tank top wearing bum boy. Hey. No, yes, I'm voting to to remain. 
Um, but but no, but it's really interesting because I mean I was at an event um, last week with Nick Clegg. It was about you know why should young people vote, and he said you know actually ideally if it was up to him, sixteen to twenty four year olds would be the only people who should vote because it's going to be them that are affected most yeah. by the referendum. All these racist like middle of the road like sixty year olds are going to be dead by the time like the 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 effects of leaving the EU happen. Do you know what I mean we will be the ones facing the backlash and like I said especially as marginalised communities we will be feeling it the most like these people the ignorant people who are like um, the bigots you see on Facebook like Britain's first people they are like not going to be the ones feeling it the way we'll feel it um, I think also the uh, I'm kind of just coming at this from an LGBT plus kind of standpoint but I think another reason the UK should stay in the EU is because um Apart from the whole, like, the fact that the EU has helped, like, manifest and produce, like, um, I guess, like, legislation to protect us, it also means that we're kind of involved in this, like, social dialogue in the EU. Like, we're able to bring our voice to the table to ensure, like, because the UK is quite good at, like, um, LGBT rights. So, like, I think it's important that we remain in the EU so our voice remains, like, prevalent in that conversation in the EU. Like, if we take ourselves out, there are a lot of states and members of the EU who don't support LGBT rights and their voices will be heard more in and like it'll be affecting people in other countries in the EU. Like we almost have a duty to those people, our brothers and sisters in other countries in the EU who don't have as much of a voice. Like we can bring that voice to the table if we remain in the EU. And How do you think LGBT people should vote? Would Brexit be bad for trans rights? Oh, Brexit would be bad for trans rights, gay rights, lesbian rights, bi rights, intersex. Literally all of us, we're we're screwed. Well, we're not screwed, but like. It's not going to be like um, a good thing. Like I said, like there's a everyone's saying there's a good chance um, Boris Johnson might be our prime minister. Like I said, he's been blatantly homophobic. Like it's really sad that you just don't hear this. Like I don't know if like he's paid Google to hide it, but like you just I never knew about this till the other day, and I saw someone write a status like Boris Johnson is like, saying things like tank top wearing bum boys and drumming like, and I was just like, what the hell? Like this man, like people vote him in because they think he's a lull and a laugh. But it's like he's so dangerous because there's this like 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 this kind of facade of him being like a plonkers. You're like, oh, he's so funny. No, he's so dangerous. He's like a Trump. Like he's like a, a like a mess yeah. who is actually really dangerous. And like um the ramifications of uh, like leaving Brexit, like I said, is like we're not going to be protected by like these EU laws. Like um, yeah. and, and and actually, I want to come back to that. that those kind of. Well, what I'd describe as, you know, possibly populist voices you were touching upon there. You yeah. know, the Trumps, you've got the in France, the Marion Le Pens, and right across Europe, we're kind of seeing that this rise of populism. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, this week we had the really sad news about Joe Cox yeah, and yeah. that terrible, um, so terrible sad. incident. I just wonder whether we can lie kind of any blame on the desks of these populists, uh, people like the voices in the, the Brexit campaign, like Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson. Is, is it f- fair to say that partly what they've been saying? It's whipped up some of that anger. Of course, it's like fear-mongering or scaremongering, whatever it's called. Like, they're the people who are um, for Brexit. The only reason I've heard is because of the immigrants. They think that the way to solve this is because, oh, we, we're all scared of immigrants, no more immigrants, so we're leaving Europe, which is stupid in itself. Like, the ram- like that's a problem in itself. Like, going back to your question, I think that these people definitely have blood on their hands because... And the media as well, like, these, like, sensationalist, like, exploitative headlines against like immigrants and against like people of color of course like when someone like um joe cox stands up for these sort of people like people are going to be angry like do you know what i mean like it's yeah but i mean like obviously, i mean none, none of these voices we spoke about none of them have called for anything like what happened to joe cox no well 
Yeah, no, but also Nigel Farage did say recently that he thinks violence is the next step. He thinks it's like na- like a natural progression that now if if we don't leave Europe, we're going to have to get violent. Like, and it's like, what the hell? Like, if you look at the people who are for Brexit, like I saw a list of all the people and like world leaders against it, and it's like all like p- the, all the kind of like leaders of all the main parties in the UK and all like the kind of most respected politicians, obviously Barack Obama, like all the like people you'd respect, uh, even worldwide. Like I know like the most well, well, of the world in, in leaders. Austria, they you know they just had a vote for president and 49% of the vote went to a neo-Nazi. But yeah, this is what I'm saying. And then if you look at the people against, uh, uh, for Brexit, sorry, it's like people like Boris, it's people like Nigel Farage, it's people even like worldwide, like Trump, Putin. All these people are homophobes yeah. and transphobes. Like why, <laughs> like that's all the all the proof you need if you're an LGBT person to not vote for Brexit. Yeah, definitely. I think all this talk of populism really relates to Orlando, which I'd like for us to talk about next. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was absolutely consumed by the tragedy yeah, there. Who wasn't? I don't know any, yeah. all my my LGBT friends were literally like, like just like we were like dead in ourselves. Here is a clip of Mum Christine Leinenen. This interview happened the morning after the attack, while she was waiting for bodies to be identified. After a 36-hour wait, her son Christopher was named as one of the 49 dead. Oh, Lord. I wanted to let you know about my son when he was in high school. He started the Gay Straight Alliance. And he won the Anna Frank Humanitarian Award to bring gays and straights together. I've been so proud of him for that thing. Please, let's all just get along. We're on this earth for such a short time. Let's try to get rid of the hatred and the violence, please. I found that absolutely heartbreaking watching that news clip. And she was there in the morning. And then um, I remember following updates all day because her son was one of the last to be named. Oh, no. And when it when you know, when, and it was so obvious 36 hours on that, you know, yeah. that was likely to be the, but it was, I just, how have you found watching that story, Charlie? I had so much work to do this like this time last week when it when it all happened when I woke up and saw it on Facebook and I had like such a busy day ahead of me and I literally had to cancel all my plans I didn't do a single thing all day mm-hmm. I just stayed in bed and just updated like my Facebook feed for the whole day looked on the on Google at the news the whole day that's all I could do yeah. I actually had a friend who I thought was involved in it my friend is from Orlando and I know that they used to go to that club. So and I hadn't seen him update his Instagram no. for a while. I messaged him as soon as I found. I was like on WhatsApp. I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "Are you okay? Like, let me know as soon as possible." And he never got back to me for the whole day. So I like, I, he is fine, thank God. But like, I couldn't do anything for the whole day because I'm like my friend. Like, it just made me feel sick. Like, it's not even about the fr- even the fact that my friend, but just the fact that this is happening. Like mm-hmm. in 2016 in America. Do you know what I mean why? Just makes me sick. Like, how is this still happening? Like, honestly. Yeah, it was really scary watching, and 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 I think you know, the big event <laughs> elsewhere in uh, outside the referendum this week, it's London Pride and the LGBT calendar. Yeah. We've got the whole Pride season ahead. Has this event kind of changed the mood for that? Because last year it was all about marriage rights yeah. in America. The day before London Pride. I'll be real, okay. I got asked to talk at Stonewall Youth's Pride event, so I'm talking at Pride, and the first thing that went through my mind was like. Or maybe I shouldn't do it because what if there's another attack? Because we saw this, like, was it the day after this um, Orlando thing? A man got stopped on the way to LA Pride with a like car full of explosives. 
I'm like, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like, that's the first night in my mind. And that made me so sad. I'm like, but then I mm. kind of questioned, I was like, do you know what? This is what the homophobes want. And this is what the terrorists want. This is what Omar Martin wants. They want us to be scared to be at Pride. And they want us scared to be proud. They want us to, but that's why we need to be louder and prouder than ever this year. Like at Pride, I think with all the recent things happening, even with Joe Cox and stuff, we, people like us, we, with voices, we need to use our voice. Yeah. And we, to, we need to lift the voices of people, of the people who have been taken from us, our brothers and sisters taken. We need to lift the voices of people in countries and parts of the world that don't have a voice. Yeah. The fact that I just seen my friend from Turkey saying that they've like banned Pride this year. We need to ha- raise our voices for those sort of people in those countries who aren't allowed Prides. It's like the I think the most important time to be proud because of what's been happening. I think one of the other things about Orlando for me was, you know, if you want to attack LGBT people, you know, you go to a bar because that's where we go. That's our safe space. Yeah. You know, just like for for Jewish people, there's synagogues, for Christians, yeah. there's churches. I know we don't quite, you know, worship Madonna in a in a in a gay bar, but you know that's it's that's our where safe environment. that's our safe environment, yeah, isn't I it? And I think Madonna. that was so scary. And and I actually wanted to chat to you about that and, and kind of move it move it on from Orlando because reading a lot about trans rights and trans activists, people that you often talk about actually whether you feel safe being the T in an LGBT space. Is that something yeah. you've kind of? I'll be Plus, real again, like, yeah. I'm, I can only do real. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, I don't really go, like, clubbing now because, like, I don't feel safe in straight spaces. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel, if I go to a straight club and, like, a, like, a laddie guy comes and, like, hits on me and then, like, starts being transphobic, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel safe in that space. I also don't feel safe, though. Not, I don't not feel safe, but I don't necessarily feel, like, I belong, I guess that's the word, in, like, gay clubs now. It's kind of sad, like, if I go to a gay club, I just feel like, I just feel like, I always felt it though, like even before transition, because like, I kind of, I guess, knew in my soul, like I just wasn't like a gay guy. Like I just feel like, like a, I just didn't, I just didn't fit in. I mm-hmm. can't put it into words. Like I just didn't fit in. And uh, let's be real as well, like not just like gay guys, but like um, white gay guys, white kind of generally middle class gay guys, a lot of straight acting gay guys. Me. No, no, <laughs> baby. No, I, you're giving me a voice though. Like this is no, there's the difference is those guys don't give us a voice, but you people, you're a white straight guy, middle class, I don't know. But like you're giving me a voice. And I think that's what, not just me as a trans person, but like even people of color, like the fact that pride events are predominantly white, it just makes me really sad. Like I'm like, w- like trans people being left out, queer people are being left out people of color are being left out and like these are the people who actually were the reason we're having pride so i mean one of the things that we did at student pride this year with our panels we was really pleased that we had a trans person on every panel we had a black person on every panel there was a woman on every panel not just a woman like a lesbian a, a bisexual person an lb someone who was queer those voices mm-hmm. why was that important for us because we spent a lot of time making yeah, sure we that, did. that happened we, we put a lot of time and effort into making sure our panels were really diverse we wanted to give everyone a voice that we possibly could um, and it did take a lot of thought and effort. I mean, it was weekly meetings and it was the main topic week after week that we wanted people who may have not necessarily had their voice heard at other times. That's what we strive for, what we stand for. Yeah, actually, and I think this is a great point to reflect back on 2016 um, and play a back a clip of you, Charlie. Oh, oh. God, here we go. <laughs> um, I hope it was my entrance. <laughs> Party By the way, if you haven't seen that GIF, which we will definitely tweet out with this podcast at some point, there is an amazing walk-on as Charlie came on it. and came out in the most amazing fashion onto the stage. <laughs> I like, think <laughs> Adele Roberts probably hated me so much because she came out and her party popper didn't go off. And then I came out and I took like three in my hand and I did a twirl and I clicked. I and she was just like, you bitch. Like, 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and then um, you also spoke on the mental health panel, so that's the clip that we've yeah. got here. I had to wait about two years before I started transitioning medically, and so that meant that for those two years... Uh, I was kind of in like a prison almost, like, but I was so much more positive because I knew I was, every day I'd wake up and I'd be one day closer to getting on hormones. So I'd be like, okay, I can do this, just keep going. If I can do it, anyone can. Like I have gone from, I, at one point I made my family take down all the mirrors in the house. I'd have candles instead of lights. I thought I was so ugly. And now, like, like I said, not much has changed, but I've totally, totally loved myself. <laughs> What really struck me about what you said there was um, about taking down all the mirrors because of how you felt about yourself yeah. and how you completely changed now and you love yourself. I wondered how much of that was down to the pressure of passing. Is that important? Uh, it's definitely important. And like I said, like f um, the the way the NHS is at the moment, mm. like it takes so long to get onto hormones. Like that for like even now, like I don't pass all the time now, and I'm on hormones. I've only been on them for like a year, but like. Even now, I don't pass. Like, imagine how it was, like, then, like, right at the start of my transition, like, when, like, I don't even know how to say it. It was just yeah. so horrible. It's like, but, just... I mean, you said that you don't pass, but it, this is, a you know, passing is very subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Is that, is that, when you say that, do you mean to, for yourself, you don't, you feel like you don't pass? I feel for myself with the outside world as well. Like, we walked on the way here. I know a lot of people were staring. Like, you never really know if people are staring at you because they think you're hot or they think you're, like, um, just interesting looking or if they just think, oh, that's a man. But you can usually tell. Like, you can usually tell, like, if there's, like, a snigger or if they're, like, pointing to and whispering. Like, you could, And I had that today, like, I mean, on the train here, there was, like, a, a family, like, talking about me with an earshot, like... So, like, I definitely don't pass full time. Like, honey, all you have to... <laughs> people can't see me now, but listen to my voice. Like, the minute <laughs> I open my mouth, the jig is up. Like, but um, it's definitely... It's, like, a lot of pressure on us. Like, um, I'd always, like, remind myself, like, you've come so far. Like, be so proud of yourself. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, yeah. So, like, I think that's what I really, like, advocate for is just, like, radical self-care and radical yeah. self-love. And, and for me, it was that concept of the mirrors that you talked about. Oh, yeah. I really, like... Really struck with me actually. Oh, okay, oh. my mum gets so angry because <laughs> I'm a little bit of a like exaggerator. I just we didn't have all the mirrors taken down. It was basically one night, like when I just shaved my head because I had a breakdown. Basically, I had a Britney breakdown. I shaved my head like proper Britney breakdown. I always hated myself for being feminine because I am a working class. Well, I was a working class boy growing up on a working class council estate in a working class family, going to a working class all boys school, and my femininity was something that I was persecuted for, and I started to kind of turn this persecution inwards and I started to be like internalize the homophobia and the misogyny and like 
my I saw my hair as like a signifier of this. So like I had not long hair, but long hair for a boy. And I remember one day just looking at me like, I wish I was more man. Like I, I always tried to make myself more manly, mm-hmm. more normal, just so I could fit in and not be like persecuted. conforming yeah. stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, literally. So like I remember one day just shave, like I was shaving my beard and I just took my beard trim and just like went into my hair, like my long hair that I spent so long growing. And I just stood like surrounded by my, by my hair and I looked in the mirror expecting to see like someone more manly. That's what I wanted to see. And I looked in the mirror, I just saw like a, a sick little girl, like really sad, sick little girl. Like it just made me, it turns my stomach even thinking about it. Cause I remember just looking in my eyes and it literally just, I just saw, I saw, but do you know what I saw for the first time? I saw me like, yeah. and I saw like, I am, a, I just saw a girl's eyes and I'd always, it's not like I had a, like an epiphany. I'm like, oh my God, I'm transgender. No, I'd always kind of known. I'd been saying for years, like, I think I'm trans and I just kept pushing. I didn't want to accept it because I didn't want to be trans. Like my life was hard enough as a gay guy. I couldn't yeah. even fathom how hard it'd be as a trans girl. And I just saw my eyes. I'm like, this is a girl's eyes. You're a girl. And I'm like, if you don't do something soon, I just stood and looked in my eyes. I was like, you're going to kill yourself. Like it's going to, you'll be dead before, like very yeah. soon if you don't do something. So I like left the the bathroom, went to my mum and like, I'm trans, but I did make on that night I like covered a few mirrors in the house but when I got home and she heard it she was like you didn't take all the mirrors you're such a liar and she's like we didn't have candles for the hot like it was only one night but like so I just need to clear that up mum if you're listening don't like but but I think regardless even taking down one mirror yeah. oh yeah yeah it's, it has the oh, same yeah, it was effect still a right? thing, yeah. and, and then to get, come from that to come to Student Pride and talk on a panel and I just have to share because obviously this is a podcast you can't see Charlie's delicious face the massive smile she had when she listened back to that clip Um, and I think that says so much about what moments like that mean to you it was a big moment. For me. Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. Sorry. I'm on hormones. Like, <laughs> finally, after two years. So like, it feels like, but yeah, um, it's, it was a really big, like, um, kind of like, I guess like a cycle, like almost like a, what's the word? Almost like closure for me. Yeah. Like being able to like speak about it, like in such a, in like, on such a big platform to so many people who it might affect. And I know it did affect because I got so many lovely mm. messages from other like trans and non-binary people saying like, it really helped me what you were saying. Mm. And like, I'm going to try and like love myself. And it was really nice to be able to kind of share, like when you've gone, through the pits of hell like honestly like before transition I was dead like I was literally like living my life dead like I was walking around the world dead and to like be able to like go from that to like I love myself I'm not happy like don't get me wrong I don't love my body like I I, I love my body but I don't like my body Mm. there's a difference loving yourself doesn't mean liking yourself Mm. but loving yourself means accepting yourself and I do now and it's so like amazing to be able to share that and try and like be able to like help other people fight their demons like I really I feel so grateful for being given that platform. So thank you so, so much, both of you. You, you oh. mentioned like seeing yourself for the first time. Do you think that accepting yourself was like a big initial thing that was really oh necessary? Oh my God, it was the hardest. It yeah. took me 21 years yeah. to accept myself. Like I knew I was, tra- I said I was trans. To, well, I didn't say I was trans because I didn't know what trans was until I was about 20. But I said when I was about like four to my mom, like, oh, I wish I was a girl, like a few times. Mm. And like growing up, I remember thinking as well. And then I got to like about like my teen years and I really knew and I remember when I was about maybe like 17 I said to my friend oh I think I'm transgender to my lesbian friend actually and I was like I think I'm trans and like that was when I was about 18 17 and then like it took me like I knew from then honestly like I because like, that's when I found out what trans was like because trans just wasn't a thing when I was younger mm. and then when I got to like my teens it was I knew what it was and I kind of knew straight away that's what I am and but it took me so long to like get to the point where I accepted it because there was just like 
no like media rep- mm. positive media representation Absolutely. it was always like Jerry Springer and like when trans people were being murdered that's the only time or sex scandals that's the only time you'd hear about it mm. and I was like that's not like like I said my life was so hard even a it's feminine gay want. guy yeah. and I was like I can't even imagine how hard it is to be trans and like it is so hard like my life's got a lot harder like just living my life is really hard like just things like accessing like um like healthcare to jobs and like using public transport and public toilets things like that have just become like so like things you took for granted before transition mm. are so hard now but even though my life's a lot harder like i'm never been happier like i'm just like i feel like at one with myself and i feel like totally at peace with myself and it's like the most important thing to feel comfortable with yourself it doesn't matter if the rest of the world is not comfortable with you honey we could <laughs> i don't give a i don't give a s-h-i-t what they think of me honey i just want to be comfortable with myself and i am so like it doesn't bother me when someone gives me a dirty look i'm like well i feel if it's right, it's right, and I feel right, <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> Absolutely. And like last year, 2015, that's long going to be going down as the year that trans conversations really yeah, hit the mainstream. It was right? amazing. Um, and I guess I want to know now, we're in 2016, what's the kind of next challenge for the T and the LGBT? Because I feel like mm. it's a voice that, you know, everyone is aware we now need to listen to. Yeah. But what do we do with those voices? What do we need to do next? the most important thing is that trans people need to stop getting murdered specifically trans women of color in in places like america and like in places like brazil brazil i think is the worst actually but i know like mexico like south america is like it's very very bad like i know that i'm pretty sure it was in brazil like in january alone like i remember hearing that 48 trans women of color got murdered in that one month one month there's not even 48 days in a month so you know the last biggest gay right that you know this country achieved was gay marriage we really celebrated that what for you is the next legal change that needs to happen for trans? And, and I appreciate there's loads, yeah. but if you had to pick one, what's the next thing that we should all as a community be fighting for? Uh, definitely, like in the UK, NHS like is so so disgusting that I had to wait two years to even have like access to not even I didn't get honey I didn't get a vagina after two years I think people have this like misconception that the GP just literally hands out vaginas to any trans person who wants them (laughs) my vagina is like maybe like a decade away if I want one like it's literally that far away like I'm not taking your taxpayers money calm down the sun calm down daily mail it's the fact that like I had to wait two years just for an initial appointment to even say to a doctor I think I'm trans that's disgusting I had a trans friend as well it felt like she had to prove herself yeah I did honey let me tell you I went to an appointment in all girl clothes leggings and like a t-shirt they were like but why aren't you dressed as a girl what just expect me to come in a wedding dress like yeah. literally they do they expect you to be like if you're like um, even Hyper if you're like feminine. a lesbian yeah. and like trans a trans woman and a lesbian they've got like a problem with it sometimes it's bullshit like why is what the hell like it needs so much reassessing our like mm. um, and reform our healthcare system in the UK like it's amazing like I, I love the NHS and I love I'm so proud to live in the UK but the fact that we're waiting two years is literally they, they said in their parliamentary report this is illegal like it will get looked back on in ten years as like it's disgusting that trans mm. people had to wait that long well what a poignant point to end on really um thanks to charlie craggs for joining us today this has been the national student pride podcast and remember you can subscribe to us on itunes listen on the go with the audio boom app or listen on gaysonnews.com and don't forget to tweet at student pride and let us know what you think of the show see you next month bye If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.